0: If you're here um, for the first time, again, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad you're here uh, this morning. A little dark in here, so I can't really tell what's going on. I don't know if it's me or, or Isaac, probably just making things dark in here. <laughs> um, if, <laughs> um, we, we're going through the book of Colossians. Um, we, we enjoy going through books of the Bible, and, and here's the reason why. And uh, if, if you remember, we just went a whole year going through the book of John. Uh, I don't think it's going to take us a year to get through Colossians, being that it's only four chapters, right? Uh, So we like to go through books of the Bible. I particularly uh, like to go through books of the Bible. Nothing against going through topical things, but books of the Bible, what it does is it really kind of forces me to address things that I probably wouldn't address. What it does is like, so like today, for example, is just one of those things where um, I, I would rather just kind of like, this just seems like terrible news to us. Uh, Particularly like when we're kind of in in need of something good But if you you just read it in the light of This is just terrible, Matthew Then you'll miss like the rest of this passage that we're going to be in And so Paul is going to In in honesty, like when I read this I was like, man, Paul sounds so offensive Especially if you just read verse 21 And you read that You're like, dang, Paul, calm down Uh All right? So here's what Paul's doing He just gave us this incredible Christological, theological view of Jesus, macro level, that Jesus is over all things, over the universe, and then he breaks it down. he's like, and he's over the micro view of the church, and that's you and I. And so now, if you don't get that right, then this next part is just going to seem weird. If you don't get the reality of who Jesus is, this next part is going to seem foreign to you. Because what Paul is going to do is give us a stamp on our identity pre-Christ. And if you are not in Christ, it will be who you are right now. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, and we're just going to go through three verses. And, give me that word, you. Come on, y'all, let's try that one more time. Some of y'all were raised Baptist. you didn't know what to do right there. You were a little confused. I was raised charismatic. We talked back. And who? You, you got to get that now. And I'll, I'll dive into that in a minute. Who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So right there, you get where I'm going. That just seems terrible, Paul. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Would you bow your heads and let's pray over the reading of God's word? Lord, I thank you, God, that you have spoken to us with your word. Your word is truth. May it bring light and life, amen. and may it sanctify us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So there are two things going on in this small section of scripture, and I want to kind of just uh, lead into it with this idea of division, all right? If you don't watch the news, I can tell you right now there's a lot of division going on, and so division plays itself out in several ways it plays itself out as uh in small silly ways like you like let me give you example like some of you may be auburn fans um some of you may be um you roll toilet paper that's an auburn fan and then some of you roll tide so we got two rolls going on and and like you're a bama fan all right we're praying for your salvation and then there may be people who are georgia fans i don't know if that exists anymore (laughs) Um, whether you are a Georgia or Auburn fan, you've learned to lower your expectations. That's the key to happiness when it comes to <laughs> Auburn and Georgia football. And so, in, in some of you are like, "Bro, that's not a small division. Like you don't know me." All right. Well, that's we'll put that in the category then as silly. All right. That's just a silly division. If that divides you, okay. And okay. We have small divisions. We have Chick Fil A sandwich. And then what else we got? Popeyes. I've tried. I have not tried the Popeyes chicken sandwich because So I cannot make a judgment call on that. All right, but by the looks of it, it sounds like Aaron is for Popeyes. Okay, uh, no. Okay, my bad. So you, you've got like division. Like, well, what's what's my favorite movie? All right, whatever. And so we could be divided on that. Now everybody knows the best movie was Interstellar, but that's just my opinion. And so you've got all these small divisions, and then. I can agree with that, all right? I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. You've got more help up in here than I do, all right? So maybe you should <laughs> preach this sermon, okay? And then, and then what it gets, it gets to a more stickier reality that there are larger divisions, all right? So we have some who are Republicans, some who are Democrats, some who, and then you have, like, conservative, and you have liberal, and then you just, I mean, things can get really, really, really sketchy when it comes to those types of things. And those are, like, legit divisions, as you can tell. And then you get hurtful divisions in our, especially in our culture. You have ethnic divisions, you have class divisions, you have race divisions, and those things become more of a reality that are are hurtful and not so silly and not so small. And and not to make light of any of those divisions that I just said, Paul has just introduced to you and I a greater division. A division that pits itself as a holy God and a sinful man. A holy God and a sinful man. And there are no greater divisions, again, not to make light of the ones that I just suggested, but there's not a greater division that our world faces today than the one that divides you as being a sinful person between a holy and righteous just God. And so there's this great, chasm, this great divide that Paul has just introduced us to. And this isn't, this isn't like new language from Paul. He talks about this kind of stuff all the time throughout his epistles. And so Paul here has given us this reality that there is a great divide. And the only remedy for this great divide, as he gives us, is this reconciliation, this bridge that was moved to Break that divide, conquer that divide, and that is through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at this, this passage in its context. If you'll, again, if you'll remember, like, Paul's been talking about this theological construct of who Jesus is. And again, i just got to say, if you don't get that right, then this isn't really going to mean anything to you at all. And so he introduces this divide by saying something about you. He says you and he gives three little categories here you were so those who are in Christ you were alienated hostile in mind and you just don't do nothing right you are evil all right we're going to impact those things but but I want you to see who he's talking to because you got to get this he, who is he talking to you He's talking to me. So so we are the problem. Outside of Christ. I know that came to a shock to some of you. Outside of Christ. Look who he's addressing. You. So you are the greatest threat. I know some of you are like, dang, man, I just came here to be encouraged. <laughs> but hang on. like I, This is going to seem really dark and depressing, all right? But just... Hang with me, and I promise there's light at the end of the tunnel. But he says, you were alienated. You are hostile in mind. You are evil in your deeds outside of Christ. Not your mama, although she can be wicked sometimes too. Don't say amen if your mama's beside you. Not you and I, this is the thing that culture wants you to think. This is what culture wants you to think. Oh, you're not the problem, boo. Everybody else is the problem. They got you thinking like everybody else is the problem. This is what I'm talking about, these divisions. Like, like no, it's the Republicans. They got the issues. No, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, in a lot of ways, but anyway, I'm not political. No, it's just the Democrats. It's just all those liberals. They're just making things bad all the time. No, I love that he doesn't say this. Not the Roman Empire in context. You Everybody wants to point their fingers at everybody else, but the reality of it is, is that Paul is talking to you. That outside of Christ, you are the greatest threat to yourself. There is nobody else that will fool you more than your own self. So, well, I better get a well right there. And you better dig that well, cause that's a deep well. You were so. Look what he, what he says. You were. What did he say? alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. There's three characteristics of those who remain divided. And really, it's an identity mark of what you look like and who you were before Christ came and found you. Let me look at this, this first word, that you were alienated. Now, you didn't grow into alienation from Christ. You didn't morph into it. And I've got three kids who could prove that wrong. From the time they came upon the scene, those jokers were selfish. Okay. They were. Feed me, feed me. Wah, wah, wah. Change me, change me. And they do stuff. I didn't teach them how to do some of the sinful things these jokers are doing. And if your kid, if you think your kid's Mr. Perfect, then borrow my three. You can borrow them for a couple weeks if you want to. This demolishes the idea that we think that we just grow into our sinful behavior no No, baby you were born in it as a result of the fall from adam and so not that we rebel but we are rebels that we are broken and we are lost and this is an identity statement that paul gives to the church this is what you used to look like. And for those of you who aren't in Christ, this is what you look like. The word here, alienated, it implies that there is isolation, loneliness. A deep sense of just not belonging. And so ever since that, that man was ushered out of the Garden of Eden, we've all felt this outside of Christ, this I just don't belong. That's, that's called the God hole. Like outside of Christ, you ever just get this sense that just something's not right? And it plays itself out in this way that so so what I'll do is I'll try to address that loneliness. I'll try to address that that sense of just something's not right and we'll fill it with everything but God. We'll fill it with pleasures. We'll fill it with money. We'll fill it with all these things. This is what alienation, it tends to look like. Empty inside, wondering. Why, why is this just doesn't feel right? Okay. You are alienated. Yeah. The presence of God has been removed from you outside of Christ. And then Paul goes on and he says that you are what? You're hostile in mind. So, so to be hostile, it, it also implies that you are an enemy of God. Dude. Not just in an intellectual aspect of your life. Because he's saying you're hostile in your mind. But, but watch what happens. Like anything that's, that you're thinking, you're constantly absorbing in your mind, eventually you're going to act on that stuff. Amen. So you're not just hostile in your mind, but you're hostile and you're depraved in all of your ways. And those who become or those who are hostile in their mind, all you are doing is you're becoming sin's do-boy. Y'all know what a do-boy is? No, I'll explain it. A do boy is just somebody who just does whatever you tell them to do. right, that's West Point language. You just do whatever I tell you to do. Somebody like, I need one of those. Amen? Am I the only one? Just do everything I tell you to do and shut up. They're called children. All right. They're supposed to be (laughs) do boys and girls. But you are listen, (laughs) you are an enemy in your thoughts. And you are becoming, and you are the sin, do boy. You'll start doing everything that sin tells you to do. Amen. You are an enemy of God outside of Christ. Here, here's a statement for you. You hate God. Now, I know some of you are like, mm. like, I know like when I wasn't a Christian, I didn't hate God. Well, here's how it manifests itself out, outside of Christ. Everything that looks good is bad. Or or let me say it like this. Everything that is bad is good, right? Everything that's sinful is really good for you. And there's a slap and an offense to our just God. All right, let me keep going because I got to get to the good news because it's getting really hot in here. then then what's next? Then you're doing evil deeds. Now listen, if the two attributes of who you were didn't catch your attention, being called evil and everything you do is evil should catch your attention. Because when I think of evil, I don't think of Matthew outside of Christ. I wasn't an evil guy. I I just do some things every now and then. I mean, because when I think of evil, like I think of the Holocaust. When I think of... Evil, I think of like the terrible genocides. I think of, I think of just all, I mean, you, you can just fill in the blank with all the evil that's going on right now in the world. And you could say, no, actually, that's evil. I wasn't evil. But what did the Bible just tell you? You ready for the good news? Outside of Christ, you are evil Amen. in all your ways. He just pitted you up against Hitler. All right. I mean, he just puts you up against the wicked Roman Empire. You see how wicked and vile these are outside of Christ? Just because you are a good person, you're just like them. Now, I know our problem and our issues with this is that we have, like, this sin scale. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, dude, I just, I just don't like a person. And you're like, eh, that didn't really tip the scales that much. Well, Jesus said if you hate a person, you just commit a murder. Uh-oh, <laughs> Your scale just went down, right? Well, I've never cheated on my wife. I mean, I've, like, like checked out a girl every now and then, like, so that just, maybe that tips the scale a little bit more because your wife is, like, staring at you right now. Oh, you checked out a girl. Well, Jesus said you just committed adultery. All of your acts outside of Christ are evil. But here's the good news. The gospel, we can breathe. Don't breathe now, because you may spread your COVID uh, journey. <laughs> Some of you aren't social distancing, and so he has now. What has he done? Reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, yeah. and I love this right here. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Were enemies, we're hostile, we're alienated from God. And there is this great divide between us and God. And outside of Christ, there is no remedy. Okay. Remember the Jewish people I told you about? Uh, they were trying to come in the church and tell them like, well, you know, it's Jesus plus this. It's Jesus plus a circus. It's Jesus plus... And so they were trying to incorporate their works into the gospel and so now Paul is really putting them on blast right here. It's like, he's like, listen, do you see how great the divide is? Do you think you and your capabilities, you and your works are going to make you right before God? No. So now he gives us this air to breathe that now where there was this great divide between you as a sinful person and this holy and righteous, just God, here comes our reconciler for us. Amen. To be reconciled to Jesus. Yes. He comes as the great reconciler of this great divide that we are either used to be in or if you're outside of Christ, you are in. And how does he bridge this, this gap? If we are recipients of God's wrath against our sin, if we're alienated, if we're hostile, and, and if, we're, if we're enemies, by nature, children of wrath, how does Christ do this? He says this in verse 22. He's reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is how God, or G- Jesus brings home his children, Amen. presents them Amen. to the Father. So reconciliation in Christ It breaks that cycle of sin. That fractured relationship with God becomes a restored relationship with God. What does it mean to be that Christ is our reconciler? Christ removes that wrath that was aimed at you and I. And then he presents us to the Father. And now we are declared righteous before him. I like this word presents. And this is, this is a word that they, they use as kind of like a formal presentation. In 2002, this is a long time ago, um, I was young, but I had the hots for my now wife. And so I did this thing in December of 2002, and I bought this little ring. And so in February, on Valentine's Day, y'all, I was real romantic. I took her. I was like, I'm going to take her. it's Valentine's Day, and we're going to be all... All, all cute and everything, and I proposed to her, and she said yes, to my surprise, like, I couldn't believe it, she said yes, and then, she, she didn't mess up, Willie, really. and then, and then, uh, and then, just a few months after that, in October of 2003, like, I remember, like, we, we were at the altar, and so we were exchanging our vows, I was not paying attention to a darn thing, because I just, my eyes were, like, just fixed on her, I don't remember anything else, as a, that was a sweet one, baby. She's about to cry. And I, and I remember the officiant. He had us, he prayed over us, and he made this proclamation. I now present to you Matthew and Miranda Thriller, husband and wife. You may now kiss the bride. It was this presentation of this bride and groom. One day, Jesus is going to present you and I in a formal celebration before God the Father, and he's going to clothe us, not in our filthy rags, not in our righteousness, but Jesus Christ is going to clothe us with his wedding garment, not because it's something that we earned or that we could obtain, but through the righteousness of God, and one day God is going to look at us as he is looking at his son, and he's going to look at the children, the ones who murdered him, The ones who killed him. And he's going to say, you are now mine. But that ain't it, y'all. There's going to be this party. There's going to be this, this supper of the lamb, this celebration where we get to celebrate for years and eternity with the bride and groom. So when he presents us, he formally presents us and nothing will be able to change that. Thank you Willie look at this, this this last part because this is going to be a little confusing if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul became a minister. So he's suggesting here in this text that you've got to be grounded, grounded on the gospel, this terminology behind Paul's exhortation uh, to to the church of Colossae to stay stable and to stay steadfast in the hope of the gospel, and it comes from this Greek term where we get the laying of the foundation, right? Right? Of a building. So, Jesus, so, so just as there is an architecturally uh, foundation to this building keeping things together. Okay. So, we look at this passage, in Paul's words, it can best be understood like this. As Paul's basically saying here, at any rate, if you stand firm in the faith, and I'm sure you will, and I, and I know you are, but if you stand firm in the faith, So there's this confidence that Paul has in the church in just commending them, stay grounded, stay grounded in the faith, cling to Christ as our reconciliation and our hope and our reconciler. And that's why Paul can find his confidence in this passage. It's not through himself, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ his atoning work on our behalf not because they're steadfast but because Christ is steadfast in his love not because they're faithful but because Jesus Christ is faithful and so Paul he ends this little thing and he gives us this little status of who he is and he says "Uh, I Paul became a minister why does he say this Maybe because he's, he's, he's wanting them to know, like, let me tell you something. I am now a minister of reconciliation. And it's not just Paul's title either. Okay. But that's, that's next week. Let me close on this. This is, a, this is a delight, right, in our faith. This is the beauty of the gospel presenting to us who we are outside of Christ and what he has done to bridge this incredible divide. And if he, can, if he can conquer that divide, then all the divisions that I made mention of earlier today can be conquered also through Christ Amen. Jesus. The divisions of our world, the divisions of our community can be conquered through Jesus Christ. And if you walk out of here with no joy, if you walk out of here with no greater worship in who Christ is, then you've just missed everything I just said. This should stir within our hearts a greater joy and deeper worship and adoration of what Christ did for us that outside of ourselves, we're lost, alienated, hostile, and evil and wicked. But Christ comes in and conquers the divide on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, I thank